0: When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Paredes Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on, on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. Letesto wins a faceoff.
1: out slap a slapper, blocked. Rebound, Hendricks tried to center. Here's a shot by Davidson. Tip. Rebound, whacked wide by Latesto. Rebound score! Matt Hendricks buries his first of the year, and it's Edmonton. That's the second goal tonight for
2: Edmonton's fourth line, and they've earned it. Well, that seemed like it happened about 17 hours ago. It was early in the second period. Matt Hendricks scoring turns out to be the game winner as the Oilers beat the Arizona Coyotes 3-2. Hey, that ugly streak is over. January of 2011 was the last time the Oilers beat the Coyotes in regulation time. A run of 25 games finally ends tonight. Mark Letestu has a goal, two assists, and a fight. Hendricks, a goal and an assist. Cassian, two assists and a match penalty. Oh, there's a lot to talk about this evening. I'm Reid Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. First of all, Rob, let's just start with the win, finally beating this Arizona team.
3: Well, the others knew to to beat Arizona, they had to play smarter than they had in the past. And when you were playing Arizona, especially a Dave Tippett coach team, you got to play with the lead. Arizona's top offensive player, uh, Domi's out of the lineup. They're not going to be able to come back once you get the lead. And the others got a lead and extended a lead. And that's something that against Arizona spells victory most times. They held on a little bit. They got some penalty trouble. But good teams, and the Oilers are starting to become one. Find ways to win tonight again. They found a different way to win a hockey game. All right, Zach
2: Cassian, the final minute of the game at uh, nineteen sixteen, received a match penalty. Rob, we were just checking the NHL rule book to make sure that does come with an automatic suspension until the commissioner rules on the issue. So the league could decide. Okay, you miss this many games too or they or they could rescind the match penalty or they could say there's no further discipline
3: yeah uh, <laughs> to me it's not a match penalty it was certainly a penalty and as i said with bob the punch to declare's face was worse than the cross check um I I was shocked at a match penalty. I thought, you know, he might get two, might get four. You know, if you want to send a message, give him a five-minute major for cross-checking. But it certainly wasn't a match penalty. I thought that was the wrong call in a game that had a lot of wrong calls. And it's funny in this game, we'll we'll probably be talking about it uh, a little bit, because Letestu has a Gordie Howe hat trick. You know, he had a fight, he had an assist, he had a goal. Gordie Howe only had one of those in his career. They call it a Gordie Howe hat trick. I bet you Gordie Howe may have had more whatever Cassian had tonight <laughs> were a couple assists and a match penalty in his career. It was a game that was won by the Oilers. And Bob's been calling them the fourth line, and I threw it out there too. This wasn't the fourth line going into the game. This is the Oilers' third line. And the Oilers' third line won the game tonight for the Edmonton Oilers.
2: Eric Greiber was also thrown out of the game at 542 of the third period for what the officials called a hit to the head on uh, Jacob Chikrin, who got banged around pretty good tonight and was tough enough to come back a couple of times. Rob, we talked about that. I mean, if if anything, I think we we agreed on this because we were talking about it. If anything, it was a late hit for interference. Yep. I didn't see a malicious hit to the head. They are a target to the head.
3: No, it, it was a two minute interference call. We've seen it uh, called a number of times this year. I think it was Russell just recently got the same thing. The puck gets put behind you. You've got to, you can't impede the, the the four checkers progress. He did. So it's a two minute penalty. It was that's the call. I don't know how you get a hit to the head when you see the replay, Chickering's head was bum high. It was waist high. He was falling. A, his head came down. The Griba came in backwards because he hit him with his butt. So it's not like Griba came in and drove the guy's head into the boards purposely. came in backwards. Terrible call. A terrible call right there that didn't cost the others, but certainly could have when one of your defensemen is gone for the remainder of the game and you're killing off a five-minute penalty. So uh, that one... A couple weird, weird calls in games that we don't see a lot of five minute majors called, and tonight we saw a couple.
2: seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Oilers do win at three two. We have James on the line. James, thanks for calling.
4: Hey Reed, hey uh, Rob, how you guys doing? Good. Awesome. Uh, just a few few comments or a few points. Uh, first of all, just to touch on the game. Uh, hey, two points, two points. love it. Uh, let's go oil for sure first and foremost, but officiating and refereeing, I mean, you know, you have these people that are backseat, uh, you know, backseat drivers that want to speak about it, but tonight was ridiculous. I mean, there were some calls out there that just, I mean, blew my mind, and and not only that, you guys tell me, uh, you guys know obviously better than I do in the NHL uh, official rulebook, book But is there anything about a goaltender wearing, okay, dark outfit uniform, first of all, that's great, black pads, black glove, black blocker, black stick, black tape, of course, black knee guards under the pad. So when, you know, a call like that happens, a wrap around, a tuck in, a scramble, and that happens every game, game in, game out, you couldn't see the puck anyway. I mean, it was just borderline ridiculous, and then for them to blow that off. Uh, I don't know. Is there a rule, Reid or, or Rob on that? Uh, about Not, the
2: no, I've never read like...
4: goalie equipment? Or I, I would imagine there isn't.
3: No, is I... I, arrogant, I Mike Smith, but... The only thing that I've ever heard with goalie equipment is, is I know at one point, I think it was Grant Fear tried getting, uh, it was either Coke or Pepsi or something, uh, yep. on his pads and and stuff just as advertising i think that's the only thing you're not allowed to to wear is for coloring of your 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 pads your gloves whatever there's nothing it's just personal preference eh? oh i understand what you say yeah well i mean a lot of guys use black tape on their sticks yeah to kind of disguise the the puck for as long as you can try to create a little bit of for sure. know, diversion for the for the goaltender but uh, no, there, that won't be a call, This, but I, I agree, I, I know a lot of people, and I know Bob gets fired up with the referees a lot, and when you sit and watch and you're cheering for one team, sometimes you feel one team, your team is the guys that are getting the the, the raw end of the deal, and most of the times, I don't believe that's the case. I think tonight the refereeing was poor. I think both teams were probably upset with the refereeing. I think the Oilers, though, got the worst of the calls as two of their players were rejected from a game. Neither one should have been. And if and going forward, if, if Cassian is suspended, so all of a sudden you've got a guy who's playing very, very well and, and his line has been excellent, and you're going into what could be the biggest game of the season thus far, and he's unable to play because of a bad call, So all of a sudden, the bad refereeing in this game is now going to affect how the Oilers put in a lineup for their next game.
2: 3-2, Oilers beat the Coyotes in regulation time. And that regulation time part is our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. We have Drew on the line. Hi, Drew, thanks for calling.
5: Yes, uh, I just... Have to give give it to Talbot on this, but the uh, adversity that the uh, Oilers had to go through, it should have been about ten nothing. And you know, like if the referees bet on this game, they lost a lot of money.
2: So you say Talbot did a good job hanging in there. Well, of course,
5: Again, yeah. that kind of those kind of calls, this game should have been wrapped up in the second period. And uh, it's it, it's unbelievable uh you know, the, I don't know what the referees are up to, but it just, I, I, I didn't phone in about the referees. I, I just, you know, Talbot stood his ground uh, against the worst kind of refereeing that's possible and and kept those boys in the game.
2: Well, Talbot's been good this season, Drew, and and because of you, we're going to make him our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Appreciate the call, Drew. Thank you. 780-496-0063. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The three stars tonight, Latestu number one, Hendricks, number two, and Hansel from the Coyotes, number three. Not often you see two guys who fought each other both get in the top three
3: stars. <laughs> I didn't even think of that either. And if you want to put a four-star in tonight, you know, let's just keep it in the line. I thought everyone on that line was excellent. So Cassian, to me, would be the four-star for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. All right, we have Terry on the line. Terry, thanks for calling.
6: Rob Reed, um, uh, I, I wish you guys a Merry Christmas, thank God. I've, I've had a chance to cool down a little bit here. Um, in my 69 years on this planet, I've probably watched about 1,500 hockey games, NHL, and probably a good number in Gila River, uh, jobbing.com or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and I'm going to go beyond saying that this was incompetent. I really think there ought to be an inquiry into this because I think there is a lot of fixing going in. And uh, when I look at, at uh, every time I've been at that arena in Phoenix, um, uh, you know, it's like half full or three quarters full, and more than half of the fans are, you know, the uh, the locals, Calgary or Edmonton or whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, uh, there's something going on here that they can't afford to lose one fan because, uh, my God, the NHL is going to have to look after this team again until that uh, uh, new arena gets built in uh, uh, on the uh, east side of uh, of Arizona. And uh, I- I'm just sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm going down there probably in a, a couple of weeks, I'll be down there. And, and they're not going to get another dime out of me because I think
3: this was a fix. Well, I I, I don't think it's a fix. I don't think, I, I I, think it was just poor reffing. And it was the same two refs that worked the Oilers-St. Louis game on Monday. Who many people thought was poor refing. I I suggest, and I, you go to the game in Arizona, I, my, my mother's husband told me that there's some deal coming up where it's dollar beer night. So if you're going down there, go on Dollar Beer Night, and even if the reffing's bad, you'll feel good about yourself.
2: Oilers do win at 3-2. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. Hopefully the Oilers can get five in a game soon, then we can turn it on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com, and then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown Southside and Northside. A lot to talk about tonight. We have a full board of phone calls, and everybody's getting in, so just be patient. We haven't told people what's going on with the news and the weather for a while so we're going to do that in 30 seconds you can call 780-496-0063 you can text 63630 the Oilers do win it tonight in regulation time over the Coyotes they dominate the first 25 to 30 minutes of this game and then uh, kind of stumble to the finish line by everybody involved and the Oilers come out with the two points to win their third in a row hey they're tied with San Jose for first in the Pacific and the two teams play each other. On Friday. More coming up. It's Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team.
0: This Broadcast report brought to you
3: by PF Custom Countertops. Breakfast in your old kitchen, dinner in your new.
0: This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Peranic Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6:30 Chad. And Sackrell, the rare misplay, they got tangled
2: up with an official. And here's Duclid, trying to get around Chris Russell. Circles the net, backhander, and a save made by Talbot, and the rebound to the far corner he's gotten again. Cam Talbot, solid again, 28 saves. That's his save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. The Coyotes actually wind up out shooting Edmonton 30-22, largely because the shots were 10-2 in the third period. The Oilers do win it 3-2 in a uh, bit of a bizarre one. Uh, I mean, if uh, it was a highly entertaining game if you're entertained by officials huddling and discussing goals and penalties.
3: It just, every time you looked up, there, okay, is this a goal or not a goal? Let's go upstairs. Is this a penalty or not a penalty? It lost a lot of the flow. And you and I were just talking. I said, okay, which players looked good for the Oilers tonight? There wasn't much flow. If you were an offensive player, there wasn't a lot of flow in this game. Everything was stop and start. And all the players that excel in those are usually your grinders. And tonight for the Edmonton Oilers, the grinders were fantastic.
2: By the way, if you heard the end of our network show, Bob was complaining about the plus minuses. They have now been corrected. I just uh, checked the official He's, the, game
3: he's got that kind of pull, Bob Stauffer. Yeah, the, he does. NHL listened.
2: Oilers win 3-2. Hey, Chris from Phoenix is on the line. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Um, I'm not
7: going to complain about the, the reffing because we won. Uh, I woke up this morning and uh, wasn't going to go to the game because, you know what, I'm bad luck, so I figured I'd, I'd stay home, not go to the game. But then, you know, I became selfish, and, and I thought, what would Joey Moss
3: <laughs>
7: Joey Moss would go to the game and cheer on his voice. That's what I did. Plus, you can't beat the steal of a deal that I got. I paid 48 bucks for a ticket 11 rows up, so
2: oh
7: can't, can't really beat that, but... Uh, it's nice to see that the boys, uh, they stuck up for one another. Uh, I'm, I'm loving Cassian. I love what he brings. I hated him when he played for the Canucks. I hated him when he played for whoever else he played for. But I love his tenacity. I love how he sticks up for his teammates. I don't get what the refs were, were thinking there on that call. Uh, I, I think it should have been a boarding penalty first, and then he should have got, you know, two or four or, or whatever. I don't see how that was a, a an ejection. Same thing with griba but, you know, whatever. The, the, the team rallied, Calvert solid as, as usual, and it's nice to see these, uh, you know, the, these uh, the third-line guys, fourth-line guys step up. And, and like Rob said, once once McDavid hits his stride again, you know, teams are going to be scared. And uh, uh, same thing with uh, with Nuge and, uh, and Eberly once, uh, once they start uh, lighting it up again. You know, we're going to be a tough team, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to these, uh, these games. I'm looking forward to Friday. And what I love is the fact that for the longest time when I'd watch the Oilers play, it's, it's almost like they were clueless out there. It was almost like they weren't even playing hockey. You'd watch other teams, and they'd play hockey. And the Oilers were just, I don't know what they were doing. But this year, this, this is a hockey team this year. And, I, and I'm glad that, uh, that we're witnessing this, and, and, and it's amazing. And, and let's just keep this train rolling, and let's go Oilers.
3: Thanks a lot, Chris. In, in a good point, you talked about the Oilers, they're playing hockey now. It was it was Shattenkirk from the St. Louis Blues the other night was being interviewed, and the one thing he said is playing the Oilers now, you can tell they're well coached. He said before, it was like playing pond hockey, but now it's not. Now now they come to play, and they have a system, and they stay within their system. So it, Todd McCullen has got the players buying in. He has now had these guys for, what, 110 games or 120 games or whatever it is and they're understanding what he wants from them, and they're doing it. So yeah, it. When, the Oilers have always had talent, but they weren't always a structured team. Now they're a talented, structured team, and that's how be, you become a good hockey club.
2: Oilers win 3-2. Alex is up next on the phones, but let's hear from that head coach, Todd McClellan.
8: We're in doubt, but uh, it was in doubt at the end, but uh, you guys closed the deal. It's got to feel good for this, uh, for this group. Yeah, it was uh, obviously a big win for us here. A couple buildings now on this trip where we haven't had success, we found ways to win. Um, Like the start, the middle was average. The back end was uh, a lot of penalty kill, and we put ourselves in that situation. So uh, goaltender was excellent on it, and uh, some of our guys had some good clear attempts at the end there to to keep it alive. it wasn't necessarily your stars that got it done for you, but sort of the, that blue-collar line kind of really well, drove through. Sometimes those guys are stars in their own way too, uh, the way they grind it out, the way they penalty kill, and um, you have to have a whole bunch of different types of ingredients uh, to come up with wins in, in this league, and... Um, as the year drags on and games get heavier and harder, and those type of players become even more important, and we've seen them now two games in a row basically take charge of the the group and lead us. Do you like uh, the physical play at the end when it got chippy there? The the you way at your the guys very, say it? at the very end yeah. or throughout the night or I meant more in the last couple of minutes when. Well, okay. you know what we're again we're equipped to play however uh, the the play is dictated. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with all the calls, uh, the match call, and certainly didn't agree with the uh, uh, the Griba major. I just whatever. What did you think of Mark Latessa getting the Gordyah hat trick, kind of leading in uh, well every way possible, basically? Tell you what we've we uh, the media, myself, we've spent a lot of time talking about Connor and. And Leon and some other guys that have had tremendous starts to the season. But uh, the catalyst, or one of the, the, the major catalysts on our team right now is Latestu Whether it's power play, penalty, kill face-offs, uh, uh, grinding it out, uh, getting a, a line going. I uh, couldn't be happier for him, and uh, we're very lucky to have him right now.
0: Uh, just bearing the streak and not having to talk about it anymore, that's got to be
2: a good feeling.
8: Yeah, it's... You know, again, the streak is, for us, it's three games. It was the first two at the beginning of the year, and now um, every year is a new group. And, uh, you know, we've won now. We don't have to come and answer all your questions. Um, But tonight's game wasn't a lot different than probably many during the streak. Uh, Just we found a way to come out in the winning end. And now you beat San Jose. You finished uh, in the division lead at Christmas time. I mean, that's obviously a big... uh... Well, yeah. You know what, we're still emotionally getting over tonight and, and trying to regroup and we'll get some rest tomorrow in San Jose. We know we've got a team that went to the uh, the finals last year so we've had different types of tests on this trip. Uh, the third one will be a, a very tough one as well.
2: All right that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan stopped himself short of saying anything I think that was going to get him into uh, trouble in terms of criticizing the uh, refs. I know we got some guys on the phone lines who are probably going to do that. More praise for Mark Letestu, who now has 17 points in 32 games this season as a fourth-line center and as a guy who was a healthy scratch for three games earlier this year.
3: Well, there's been a few players, few veterans that have been healthy scratches this year. And when you're a healthy scratch, it's a blow to your pride. Uh, you're mad. You're angry. But when you take a look in the mirror you make a decision you decide you know what why was a healthy scratch what do I have to do to be better some players come out of it like Mark Latest who did said all right you know what? I'm going to prove them wrong I, you know what I maybe I need to correct that and I will and when I get the opportunity I'm going to be ready all players don't come out like that and we've seen that this year so good on Mark doing what he needs to do to continue to be in the lineup and he's not a McDavid. He's not a Drysad. He's not a Nugent Hopkins. He doesn't have a name that says, oh, the test do. He has to be in the lineup every night. So he has to earn every shift he gets. And he's been doing that.
2: We have Alex on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me on.
3: Yep.
9: Yeah, what a game. I, uh, we finally beat these pukes of uh, Phoenix Coyotes, and I'm going <laughs> to extend that to the refs. Uh, you know, uh, Everything's been said about the rest. today. I don't have to get into that. But uh, I also want to apologize to Matt Hendricks there. I got on the air about four or five games ago, and I said he was done. And he's anything but done. And uh, we got a good third line there with and Latescu there. I'm just so happy for those guys. And uh, I do want to make one comment, though, about Pouliot, though. When he took that penalty, and it was 3-1, and that momentum got shifted there, and I was going, oh, no. And uh, so here I want to say something though, about those two other $6 million men. Uh, Everly and Eugene Hopkins making $6 million, $6 million. And uh, Poole God making $4 million. That's $16 million. I'd like to see that $6 million show up for San Jose because we're going to need those guys beside the Sandpaper Boys.
2: Thanks a lot, Alex. We appreciate it. Oilers win 3-2 over the Coyotes tonight. We got to take a quick timeout. We got uh, Tony up next. Alex, uh, sorry, we just did uh, Alex. We have Tony, John, Greg, Cam. We do have open lines. We're going to finish the play with John. That's always fun. The Oilers get it done. 3-2 over Arizona. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Paranich Team Broadcast Center.
8: Encore Trucking. We are the problem. Live from the Terry Paranich Team Broadcast Center.
0: This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers. News Radio 630 Chad
2: Letestu and Lucic in the first period. Hendricks in the second period. Hansel got one back for the Coyotes in the middle frame. Oliver ekman Larson with six seconds left. That's the scoring tonight. The Oilers get it done, winning 3-2 over the Arizona Coyotes. How about this? They are 10-5-4 on the road this season. So much other stuff happened in this game. I hadn't even mentioned that. 10-5-4 away from home. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We have Tony on line five. Tony, thank you for calling.
10: Not a problem. It's been an honor listening to you guys. So, I've been watching quite a few games all this season, and I and it's not just these last two games I that I've really seen the wrestling really bad. There's been games where I see McDavid like skate down the ice as fast as he can, and he gets hauled down right in front of the referee, and nothing happens. I'm just wondering, are these referees like blind, or are they just? Against May David nowadays, like we can't get a break with these refs.
3: I think it's a prerequisite. I think all referees have to have some sort of visual impairment. I think that it's part of their when they have to fill out their forms. Can what's your vision? Is it 2020? If they're 2020 vision, they're not allowed to be referees.
10: But it's, the, it's basically the fact that like tonight, McDavid David comes right down the middle, and this guy's literally sitting on him, like literally sitting on him. Yeah, Martin Martinuk, I think seat. that
3: was. I, any, te- any team that has a star player is going to tell you the same thing. Any, any team. Sidney Crosby goes through the same thing. Um, Getzlaff or Perry. Uh, I mean, any team. I'm sure, in L.A. It, it, they, the calls should be made, but they're not always made. And it's more noticeable because it's your star player being hauled down. Absolutely. There's, every game there's probably two penalties that could be called and should be called that aren't and it gets it's frustrating it's frustrating for the fans it's frustrating for the players i think part of it is conor mcdavid is so mild mannered you don't see him throwing his head back throwing his gloves up throwing his stick or whatever it is to show the referee his displeasure i think that the the oilers Management will will put in something with the National Hockey League saying, okay, seriously, enough's enough, just as a number of teams have done in the past about their star players. But yes, the ones that you see on TV are the same ones that we see, penalties that should be called that aren't, and a lot of them are against the star players of the Edmonton Oilers.
2: And I I do think, Tony, I I I do believe there have been instances where referees have been surprised by McDavid's speed. Now, hopefully they get used to it, but there's definitely... there ha- And I don't want to make it sound like it's happening every single play. And we both know that the Oilers have caught breaks with the officiating. Which team was it that was it against Columbus? Lucci, Chai, Stick, McDavid, and Columbus got <laughs> a penalty. So there have been I calls the Oilers have benefited from. but But I do think there's times... They, they get surprised by McDavid's speed and he steps by a defenseman after he dumps the puck in and he gets bumped or he gets held and it happens so fast or McDavid is able to skate through it that they don't call it even though interference has been committed.
3: And this is a game that both teams were upset with the referee. I mean, there there's one Latestu cross-checked Hansel headfirst into the boards right in front of the referee. That's not called. So when both teams are mad at the referee at the end of the game, it usually means the referees did not do a good job, and I think that was the case tonight.
10: It is. They did a poor job in my opinion. I watched the game, and these games are honestly getting to the point where I don't want to watch them because I'm a huge Oilers fan and I want to make the playoffs. And with the way that the refs are uh, resting right now, it's not even fun to watch anymore. It isn't. I'm just getting sick and tired of it.
2: Well, thanks, Thank for call- thanks, Colin. thanks for calling, Tony. We do appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Three goals for the Oilers tonight. That means 75 bucks to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season. You can get the total on the Oilers page on 630 All All right, we got Greg on the line. Greg, thanks for waiting. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well.
11: Okay, i got a couple comments, and then I have a couple questions. So first I want to say... Um, nurse has officially been replaced by Cassian as the locker room dj because if that's how that line's going to play when he's playing the music well right on
9: <laughs> so um
11: but i absolutely love at the end of the game that Cassian when he kind uh, of took a oliver ecklin larson out and threw his gloves off and was waiting for anybody to come i like that it, it, it was nice to see but um anyway um one more quick comment uh just so everybody knows uh that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be at the Calgary game in January. So if anybody wants to bring their kids, uh, they're going to be there. So um, that's one thing. But now to my questions for you guys. It seems like uh, after every game, we're always talking about the refing, And it's not just on your show. It's on all the sports shows that I listen on the radio, that I watch on TV. And it's getting pathetic. So it's getting frustrating. And the other thing is, is I've found a way to slow the game down and, and increase scoring. Um, How's that? Oh, well, if the NHL is going to scrutinize offside so much, um, well, maybe they should uh, do replays uh, when it comes to dump-ins, you know, because uh, how many dump-ins do, they, uh, do guys not even cross the, the red line before, uh, before they dump the bucket? And so why not slow the game down even more and, and have that challenged? And, you know, an offensive face-off, uh, you know, that, that's a scoring opportunity for the, for the offending team, right? So why, why not do that too?
2: Well, Greg, you you probably know how I feel about the offside challenge if you've ever listened to me before. Oh, I know. It's terrible. Uh, I don't mind video review to look whether or not the puck crossed the line. Goal interference I'm still deciding on, I think, though I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think the offside challenge should be removed from the game. And if there's ever a blatant mistake, like with the Duchesne goal that led to all this three years ago, the league can call down and say no, you can't count it.
3: I, I, to me, mistakes happen. I say leave the mistakes in. And there's not that many. When it comes to linesmen, there's not as many as people think. And I, I'd say if, if, if you don't want to have the challenge, take it rate out. And you don't have the league call it ever. If a mistake is made, if a mistake is made. It's been well, like it's that a, for a hundred years. Might as well keep it going.
11: It's either a penalty for goaltender interference or it's not, and I think it should go back to the way it was and let the guys play. And and the offside thing, um, you know, because it's a it's a one way call basically. If you, if you blow yeah, it exactly. um, and he's not offside, well, you can't just say, oh here's exactly. an offensive faceoff or a breakaway. So and I think they should change it as long as the puck crosses the line before. Um, like even your skates in the air, it doesn't matter. Yes. It, it, it should be... They, they, they need to readjust that rule because that casting goal the, the, the other game, that, that was a beautiful goal. That was a perfect play. He, he timed it correctly, and, and he made a nice play. So and, and there's no reason why the NHL should be doing as much as they're doing to to basically have less goals in the league, I guess what I'm getting at. So
2: You're preaching to the choir, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you later, okay, Greg? Thanks for calling. That's, yeah, thanks. 780-496-0063. Oilers win 3-2 as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. The other NHL game tonight was Philadelphia over Washington 3-2 in a shootout. The Canadian Juniors won a tune-up game, pre-tournament game, 5 nothing over the Czech Republic. Anton Lander had two goals and an assist for the Bakersfield Condors, but the Oilers' farm team loses 5-4 in overtime to the Tucson Roadrunners. That's uh, Arizona's farm team. So there you go.
3: All right. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about the Arizona's farm team? Actually, no, I thought
2: you I wanted mean, to jump in with
3: something. No, well, the one thing that we can tell—what's the young man's name? Cunningham. Oh, Craig Cunningham. He was playing for the Arizona's farm team. He had—he collapsed on the ice. It, it was did not. Bad. It was bad. It did not look good. It, it very fortunate. And today he had a press conference, and they're talking about him getting out of the hospital very, very soon. So there is some good news as well as an Edmonton Oilers victory tonight out of Arizona. Some really good news for a young man in the Arizona Coyotes organization.
2: And he's friends with Milan Lucic. They played together Vancouver and Boston. Yeah. Vancouver Giants, Boston Bruins.
3: Yeah. yeah, Milan talked quite a bit about him over the past little while and, and what he's meant. And uh, good for this young man and his family.
2: If you win, finish the play tonight. You get a thousand dollar. You get entered into the thousand dollar grand prize draw to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. John's our contestant tonight. But first, John, give us your uh, thought or question.
4: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, Just, it's kind of fun coming into the uh, show when the last caller talked about casking, and that's kind of a, a snapshot of NHL officiating right now. So the minutiae of the offside call uh, was last week or the week before where that was called back as a breakaway goal and then the match penalty for five minutes tonight, the intent to injure, where if he really wanted to injure Ekman Larson, he, he very well could have.
3: Well, it's interesting. Uh, Ekman Larson, after the game, I read his comments, talked about the fact that he finished his check and he, he sh- should have known and did know that when he was going to finish his check, somebody was going to be coming at him. So he expected that. He said he should have paid a little more attention to where it was coming from. So he had nothing wrong. Nothing wrong to say about what Cassian did. So, I, I don't know if you can rescind a match penalty. Yes, they can. Well, then... I'm yeah, just watching are. it again here. They can, yeah. Then, if that's the case, I, yeah, we're watching it right now. Yeah, that's not a...
2: It's, like, it's a penalty. It's certainly a penalty. It's a penalty. penalty, it's it's a penalty. Match penalty. No. Like, that's,
4: like he, you're, you're right. If, if, you're if he right. wanted to take a match penalty to hurt him there, he could have left the skates
2: and gone right at his head. Yeah, you well, know, I right agree, John. Like, watching left. it, he... like.
3: And actually, when you watch it again... He doesn't come directly in he actually comes from the side. He could go straight at him and drive him into the boards, but he comes from a little from the side, so he pushes them sideways more than he does head first in the boards it, Cassian knew exactly what he was doing, but okay. he certainly wasn't going to get a penalty. He certainly wasn't going for the intent to injure i've we've seen Cassian intent to injure someone before here in Edmonton, and it was Sam Gagne This one was nothing like that, yeah.
4: Yeah, he was Yeah, he was fully in control. Like, he knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to get his attention, but yeah, he, he, he really wanted to hurt him. He could have hurt him there.
2: You know he, what he was trying to do? He was trying to get a cross-checking penalty and get in a fight. That's what he was trying to do. Like, he knew he yeah, was going to well, have to fight, obviously, because he just dropped his gloves and punched Duclair. But, yeah, we will I mean, we'll see. I, like, I, I think it should be rescinded. It, it was not, like we've said, it was not a well... It was not a well-ref game, and I, I honestly think, like, like sometimes, and John, you're going to finish the play, so don't hang up. Like sometimes, oh, yeah. some, sometimes Rob and John, we we see games, and and people complain about the refs, and and Rob's good especially because you played in the league, Rob, and and you'll say, okay, everybody, take a deep breath. Those are difficult calls. They could have gone 50-50. Look where the ref was standing. We have the benefit of five replays. But tonight, I honestly feel like they just they just made it harder on themselves.
3: I, I, I just don't understand that. I mean, calls are always missed. And you can't blame a ref all the time when he misses a call. Sometimes he just frankly doesn't see it. I don't like the ones where the ref isn't looking and makes a call. And you'll see that the the one in Edmonton where the, who was it? What team was it again? The, Lucic? Or Lucic's stick. It was Columbus. Columbus. So, Johnson got the And that that, that that bugged me because the ref calls a five minute pen, or a penalty, a four minute penalty on Columbus when he didn't see it. And it was obvious he didn't see it because it was Lucic's stick. That bugs me. But what happened tonight, the ref are saying they saw this and they're seeing something that no one else saw. Nobody saw. The, the, the intent the intent to injure match penalty, it was a cross-check. It was a two-minute cross-checking penalty. If you want to give him four, give him four just to get him out of the game. Fine. The one on Greiba, it was an interference penalty, yes, but it was a 2 minutes interference penalty. Uh, hit to the head. I mean, it was his butt that hit him in the head. So there was no intent there. So well, two terrible calls. And
2: another point, Rob, and John, just hang on. Another point, yeah. Rob... To call it both ways, and you said it, Letestu probably should have got a cross-checking penalty on yep. Hansel, and then that calms down their situation. Yep. They're not scrumming, and they're then they're not fighting immediately when they get out of the
3: penalty box. A lot of the things that happen in a game, and I said it earlier tonight, when when a game goes sideways and, and, and emotions get high and silliness happens, a lot of it has been dictated by the way the ref has called the game. And Hansel was furious, when when he was against the board, you cross checked him from behind, sent him flying, and while he was down, cross checked him again. It should have been a call. And then all of a sudden Hansel's mad because there was no call. He goes up towards net and he cross checks and breaks a stick across Latesto. Now that none of that when then they end up tangled up in front of the net. None of that would have happened if the ref made the first call. The refereeing in this game and, and I and I defend refs. I I yelled at refs when I played, but when you sit upstairs, you start to see how hard a job it is. But tonight's game was very poorly reffed, and a lot of the stuff that happened is on the referees because they let certain things go, and then they made stupid calls on other things.
2: All right, John, we're going to finish the play. Here's a little Jack Michaels play-by-play. By the right circle, and it's Matt Hendricks down low to it in
1: front.
9: Shoot.
2: Okay, that is, uh, is that a chance for Latestu, Kellen? Is that a goal or no goal? And I believe, is that from the first period, Kellen? Okay, we got a Latestu chance with a pass from Cassian in the first period. Goal or no goal?
4: I'm gonna go with the goal.
2: By the right circle, and it's Matt Hendricks. Down low to
1: Cassian in front. Shoot score. Mark Latestu. This one
7: goes in. Banged it off the post. Got it back and buried
2: it through a screened Mike Smith. And that one was challenged for goalie interference, and it stood. Now we should say that some of the delays weren't on the refs. I mean, if a coach challenges, that that's within their right to do that. But uh, Hendricks was near the crease; it wasn't goalie interference.
3: But they they had, they had huddles for goals. They had huddles for penalties. They had huddles for just about everything tonight. It was it was unbelievable. It was like okay, I don't. My flight's not until one in the morning, so let's may as well stay here. I already checked out of my hotel room.
2: We have Cam on the line. Cam, thanks for calling. Hey, guys,
1: another another great show, another good win, too, so it's good.
3: Thank um, you very gonna, much.
1: Yeah, I was going to just give a couple points here. Um, So the pads, I think the general rule of thumb on pads is that there's a disadvantage to wearing black because it's tougher for your defenseman to, to find loose pucks, and then also it frames. And, Rob, I'm not trying to disrespect goal scorers because, obviously, you know, the elite goal scorers can do anything they want with the puck, but for the sixty percent of the guys in the league that can't um, do those things, you know, to to have the have the white of the net framed around the black can be an advantage. So I think I, I don't think there's any advantage to the black. I, I know what the caller's
3: point was, but I don't think they're on the whole is. And I and I and I think Mike Smith does it because he likes black. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, I mean, a lot of these these guys, they they you don't get to have be, have a lot of originality when you're wearing equipment. So if you've got that little out, oh, I'm going to design my mask. I'm going to wear a certain color pattern. I'm going to design it the way I want. They do, and some guys care about it. Some guys don't, and. He just likes black.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a beast. He's a beast. Um as far as the refs go, I think you made there was a real good point made here tonight. Um the speed of the game and and the optics actually like neuromuscularly, I think uh the patterning of these guys, I I I just don't think they've evolved <laughs> physically <laughs> and secondly I don't think they can handle um the optics of what McDavid brings and then as far as the toughness goes, um, I like toughness. I, I love toughness. It's the most important thing, probably, to me. But I don't like Bush, and we have to like we have to be careful. I'm not trying to be rhetorical, but we have to be careful. And I just have one more point after this, but we have to be careful that it doesn't, you know, get Bush, because Bush, as you guys know, loses its effectiveness as well. Like uh, I like that tight, compact toughness where guys are a little bit unpredictable. So. Um, and then the other thing, too, I was going to say is that we're, like, it's great that Latesto and those guys are going. Like, I don't want to ever diminish that. But when we're starting, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful because, you know, Nuge scored last night. And, but, like, when we're starting each game not knowing what, you know, our, our so-called elite players are going to bring to the table – it's not a sustainable pattern. It's not a sustainable methodology, <laughs> you know. So I guess in closing, I, I, it's kind of one of those darned if you do, darned if you don't, because we're in a bit of a conundrum here, because at the end of the day, this whole thing is going to fall down on what Nugent Hopkins and Eberly decide to do in the tough games going to come down to what they are, are able to do in a playoff run. I'm not completely uncomfortable with it because I know there's a juggling act going on financially and all those things, but I, I really hope those guys get inspired and find the next gear because because at the
3: end of the day, our season is probably banking on what they do. So, Thanks, Cam. Good call, man. Well, first of all, if you heard in the background, that was me pulling out my thesaurus because there were more four-sellers. Oh, that, that, that was a fantastic call. Those are the biggest words that we've heard on our show in years. I wrote, wrote them down. I was running out of paper because they were so long. Uh, and a, a great point, though, that he made is the lack of consistency of players that need to be consistent. The, the Oilers are only going to go as far as their stars. You, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic that you have third and fourth line guys, and they become very, very important in, in playoff runs. And once you go into championship runs, we've seen that before. But if you look, the Chicago Blackhawks, in their Stanley Cup runs, their third and fourth liners were very important. But every time it was different, third and fourth line players. Mm-hmm. You can replace third and fourth line players, you can't replace your core. And right now, the Oilers' core it's it's got some strengths in a Connor McDavid, David, and a Leon Draisaitl, in a Milan Lucic, but there's other parts of that core, and their core because of what they've done in the past, their core because of their contracts. Those players have to be consistent. And as the caller was saying, you can't go into a game hoping that this is the night that these guys break out, or hoping that tonight they get they 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 put together their A game. It's McDavid is not going to have an A-game every night. Neither is Leon Dreisaitl. But it's going to be 80% of the games. Right. You can't have your best players like a Jordan Ebrey, like a uh, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and even uh, uh, Benoit Pouliot, who's a $4 million player that they've got for two more years and has been a top-six guy. They can't have their A-game in 30 or 40 or 50% of the games. So that's a great call by that caller and a great point. They need consistency out of their core players. If they want to be a team that plays in the playoffs and a team that makes a run in the playoffs,
2: yeah, for sure. And I mean, I mean, why do Mark Letestu and Matt Hendricks and those types of players always find employment and ice time? Is because they're reliable. Mm-hmm. But their offense is a bonus. I mean, Letestu has seven points in five games, probably going to be his best. What do you need? Rob? stats. There you go. Well, probably, probably going to be his best run of the season.
3: Well, the, the Oilers are, are, are this year a team that, I mean, they're going to be fighting first place in the division coming up. And if you look, the one thing in the past that the Oilers have lacked has been depth, depth players that can produce. You know, Pitlick has got eight goals on the season. Lettessu now have seven goals on the season. Those are players way down the lineup that are producing, that are giving them something. So you can imagine where the Oilers could be if Jordan Eberle was playing to the potential, where his bar is, where Nugent Hopkins, where Pouliot. I don't think the Oilers, before, beginning of the season, had Pouliot as a guy that's going to be in and out of the lineup, getting seven, eight minutes when he's in. Yeah. Or that Nugent Hopkins would be averaging under half a point a game. Did Latestu pass him tonight? Uh, in
2: points? Latestu 17. Yeah, he did.
3: Yeah. So... If At the beginning of the year, you would have said that Mark Latesto had more points than Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. At Christmas? At Christmas. You would be saying, well, it looks like we're getting another draft lottery player. Yeah. But these players that are in the third and fourth line slots are doing what they need to do. The top two stars on this team, McDavid and Leon Dreisilder, are doing what they need to do. There's other players that are in the middle there that need to find their game. And if they do, well, all of a sudden, this Oiler team is a team that, hey, come April. They may be starting a series in the playoffs, but they need all those players going.
2: Kevin and Steve are up next on the phones. The Oilers do win tonight. 3-2 over the Coyotes. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. This We're is Terry Overtime Open line. line.
0: Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio,
2: 630 Chan. Well, the Coyotes' curse has finally ended. The Oilers win in regulation time against Arizona. 3-2 the final. They let it... 3 nothing early in the second period the Coyotes got one back in the second then they got one with six seconds left to round out the scoring, five goals in all 81 penalty minutes combined tonight, 73 in the third period a uh, bit of a well, I used the word stumbling game earlier. It was a bit of a halting uh, game with some uh, weird plays, some rough plays, and some uh, pretty spotty officiating. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We have Kevin on the line. Kevin, thank you for calling.
5: How are you doing, fellas? We're great. Yeah, I just uh, well, I wanted to make a comment. The more that I watch you others play, the more that I think their number one priority is after the break is really trying to find a number one right uh, right player to play with McDavid. Uh, the further they get along, you know, the games are going to get tougher. And uh, leading into the playoffs, what do you think about maybe Shirelli looking around for some teams that, uh, you know, that might be on the verge of not making the playoffs or maybe looking to dump a little bit for a short-term game? You know, somebody like, uh, for example, you know, a couple of years ago, whatever, like guess Jason Williams or somebody with good experience. and. Uh, you know, has has more of a touch because uh, I just think that uh, Jordan's just not, uh, when push comes to shove and it gets really tight you know, which won't be long after Christmas the Wars are just going to get uh, even harder and uh, I just think you'll find some softer minutes for him because I just think uh, we're leaving too many uh, points on the table because we just don't have enough finish on that top line I just want to know what you guys think about that
3: Well, as for leaving points on the table, I I think all teams leave points on the table. I mean, right now the Oilers are in first place in their division. Um, So there's a lot of teams that have left a lot more points on the table because they're below the Oilers in the standings. I do believe that if the Oilers are in a playoff race, that Peter Shirelli is going to look to upgrade the team, but not at a a major cost. I don't think you're going to mortgage the future because I don't believe this is the bar of the Oilers' run I think this is just the beginning of it, so I don't think you want to get rid of something that's going to help you in the future to help you maybe make the playoffs this year or maybe give you a chance in the first round. I do think there would be some good rentals out there, and yes, I think that a a right winger to play with Connor McDavid, I mean, if if there's someone that that puts a puck in the net and you can pick him up at a, a low cost, absolutely. I know that the Oilers have tried everyone and will continue to try everyone to find who the right guy is. I personally think the best fit they have is Leon Dreisaitl. The problem with having Leon on the first line is that takes away your second line, which he can drive by himself, and you lose that two-pronged attack. So the, uh, Peter Schrelli, I don't think, is ever going to be completely satisfied with what he has on his team until this team is hoisting a Stanley Cup, and they're not there yet but peter Shrelly has said he knows what he wants he's gone out and gotten a lot of these players because that's the type of team he's building and i think he's just going to continue to build it till he feels that this is a team that's capable of winning a championship
2: yeah and i mean we've talked about uh, i mean just looking at arizona do you do you rent redeem verbata if you're in that situation do mm-hmm. you rent jerome ginla Somebody brought up Thomas Vanek, who personally I wouldn't touch, but, but, I mean, there are wingers out there that are going to be free agents, and the
3: lower teams are going to want to unload. I mean, Verbat is the one that I... And I said that to you the very first time we talked about that. that to me, he's a guy that scores, that still has game. To me, uh, tonight, the best two players on Arizona were Verbata and Hansel, and those are two guys, I believe Hansel's up at the end of the year as well. I thought we talked about that before, and he's another guy that any team would benefit from getting a Martin, Martin Hansel, if that is right. Reed's going to look up that. But Verbato would be a great fit. And he's played on top teams before, on top lines. And right now on a on a bad Arizona team, he's their leading goal scorer.
2: Yeah, Hansel's up. Uh, Hansel and Verbato both up after this season. And, you know, it's interesting, Kevin, that was a good call. Thanks. Um, you, you mentioned Dreisaitl, how how well he's been playing. And, look, I don't want to... I got to be careful here because obviously Connor McDavid is a almost supernatural talent, mm-hmm. and he is the Oilers' best player and will be for a long time. But if you if you were to say to me last ten games, or even in December, the Oilers are now six two three in December. Who are the Oilers' three best players in December? I would probably say Drysaitel, Talbot, and Sekera
3: in in this month.
2: Yeah. So that's that's actually good that if it's not McDavid, you never win, right? And you were kind of alluding to that earlier. Oh
3: well, yeah. And, and Well, I mean, you look back to any team that has been a championship team over the years, there's been times their best player wasn't their best player. Someone else stepped up. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, Wayne Gretzky was their best player. And one of the best players, he's either the greatest player that ever lived or he's 1A, depending on if you're a Bobby Hoare fan like I am or not. But there was there were stretches where Mark Messier was the best player on that team. Won the Conn Smythe yeah. this year. So, I it, mean, Colorado, Mar- uh,
2: Forsberg was had the spleen injury that missed the last two rounds, and they won the Cup the one year, right? So,
3: yes, yeah, so you need other guys to step up. Connor McDavid can't be a three-point a game or a two-point-a-game guy every game. Just like Sidney Crosby in, in Pittsburgh, he's considered the best player in the world. But there's, uh, Evgeny Malkin has won the Conn Smythe during the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, Leon Dreisel has been Excellent. He has been excellent, he's doing it everywhere on the ice. He's become a guy that they're leaning onto for heavier minutes. He'll be a guy that when you put him out there, he's got something that Connor McDavid doesn't. He's got that size, so he can lean on defensemen. And that's why when the Oilers, if they do go a 1-2 with McDavid and Dreisaitl, you've got the speed in McDavid, and then you've got the heaviness of a sidle. So the Oilers do need a little bit more, and I've said it since the beginning of the year, I don't think they're scoring depth is strong enough to be able to have three mm-hmm. world-class centermen. And that's why one of the reasons that the uh, at times you see them condensing them and making them into two lines. And, and
2: the depth scoring has come from unexpected yes. places so far this season. All right, Steve, you're going to get in on the phone line, but we do have to take a quick timeout. Oilers win 3-2. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Paranish team broadcast centre.
5: Encore Trucking. Lift and transport specialists available 24 hours a day, every day,
0: anywhere. We're in the Broadcast so Center. Obvious. This is Overtime Open Line. Encore Brought to you by the because
2: Canadian, Canadian Brew House. 630 Chad. Oilers take it 3-2 over Arizona. Mark Letestu, a goal, two assists, and a fight. Cam Talbot, the win in net. Steve on the line. Hello, Steve. Reed,
4: Rob. How are you doing? Good. Okay. Let's talk about... Uh, Um, Your fourth-line victory tonight. Very nice. Third period reminded me of the late 70s with the Philadelphia Flyers, (laughs) minus the referee interference. Um, (laughs) Let's uh, chat briefly about the Eberle, uh, the $12 million men. Um, These guys have gone through the highest number of coaches in the history of hockey. They may actually be experiencing a bit of burnout. They were uh, drafted at an elite level, and they're paid elite money. But the reality that you've been discussing for quite some time tonight is the fact that they can't bring the results to the table so as a coach basically you're asking yourself am I going to carry this 12 million dollar burden or am I going to move these guys and uh, put us in a position to be more successful
3: the, pro- the problem just,
4: uh, the problem I'd like you have to hear there. Your comments on that
3: the problem you have there is okay now I'm not saying about moving them but there's been a lot of people have called in and talked about it and you just brought it up again if Right now, I don't know how many years they both got left. Everly's got... They're both making $6 million. Everly's got two more after this year. And... Nuge has uh, four more after this year. Okay, so here's your issue. If you want to move either one of those players, you've got to move a guy in Nugent Hopkins who's got four and a half more years at $6 million who's averaging less than half a point a game. You're going to have to move a guy in Jordan Everly who people think are having an off season at another two years after this year at six million dollars a year it's yeah, I, I don't know how you would do that I honestly don't and so now instead of saying all right okay, we got to move these guys I'm not saying they're unmovable but it's going to be very hard and so let's see how we can get them to get back to their game. Everly did not lose his talent. He's led this team in scoring three times. Nugent Hopkins, uh, I don't think will ever be what people had hoped, but he is a lot better than what we have seen so far this year. So you've got to find out where his ceiling is and get him to that because I don't think it's as easy as saying, you know what, let's move them so that we can find other people that can fill the spot. Moving someone making six million dollars, who in the eyes of a lot of people are underachieving right now, will not be an easy thing. Right,
2: and I think that I think that's a good way to summarize it. Long term, okay, maybe they get moved. Short term, you got to find a way for them to fit into what the team can do th- this year, or or maybe over the next two months, and then you see. But that's that's the challenge. Short term, for sure. Rob, great night, man. It good, was good, a, lot good show, a lot of a lot of good,
3: to talk about a lot of very good calls tonight.
2: Arizona. Your street's done! Oilers win it 3-2 in regulation time. First time they've done that against the Coyotes since January of 2011. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Next Oilers broadcast, final one before Christmas, is on Friday. 7 o'clock face-off show, 8.30 puck drop. They're going to visit the San Jose Sharks. They're tied for first in the Pacific with the Sharks. Sharks with a couple games in hand. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. Have a great night.